All right, brother, we'll turn to Psalm 37. I know you're just in 73, but turn to 37. Psalm 37. We need to be wounded. The Lord must come to us and break our hearts. And we need to hear those words that we can die by. I don't need dying grace just yet, but that day will come. It's, it's put in my charge to, to prepare you to die. That's part of this work. You're going to meet a holy God. Somebody's going to believe what I have to say, and you're going to go into eternity facing a holy God over what I tell you. That's kind of heavy. I'm not sufficient for these things. Are you? God must do that. That's a heavy thing. But we need words to die by. The Lord gave us those words to die by. That's what we looked at Wednesday night, right? That meal started. We had to have that Wednesday. We had to have the one we just had last hour. Uh, if somebody listen to this one, one message, you need to listen to a whole bunch of messages to somebody before you can get a handle on them. Uh, I'm preaching to you. Somebody else can listen on sermon audio or whatever. That's fine. I hope the Lord blesses it. Uh, I'm not called to preach the sermon audio. I'm called to preach to you, right, to teach you something. We looked Wednesday night. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. We ain't worried about sticks and stones, ain't that right? You agree? If it were not so, I told you, I go to prepare a place for you. What's that place? You remember? It's a place of acceptance with a holy God we offended. That's an important place. That's important. That's real important. Life and death important. Eternally important, isn't it? He said, if I go to prepare a place for you, I'll come again. And I'll receive you unto myself that where I am, there ye may be also. That unity is going to happen. Either he's going to come to me or I'm going to go to him. It's happening. He said so. Lord, you said so. I believe you. He told Thomas, he said, I don't know the way. He said, I'm the way, the truth, the life, and no man cometh through the Father by me. Everything we lost in that garden, he, he's all and in all. Christ is everything. I can go into my deathbed looking to him. I'm ready to die. I have words to die by. You get that? I have words to die by. He's come to us. We're still here. He's come to us. And some of us, one or two, two or three maybe, I hope, I hope there's two or three gathered here today. He's come to us and he's touched us. And he's popped our hip out of socket and you limp. You limp. Spiritually, are we limping? I limp. You? I want to help you with your limp. Oh, old, old Brother Barnard. I want to help you if you let me. I want to help you if you let me. You and I need words to live by. We have words to die by. I can, I can go into eternity right now. I believe him. But I'm still here. I need words to live by. I need words to live by. This is for those who already know they have a place. Christ has went to go prepare you. That's who I'm talking to. I ain't talking to everybody. If Kevin, you ought not do that. We canceled the service. Oh, Kevin, what if, what if a visitor was coming? Well, I preached like 200 times a year. You had plenty of chances. Lord, once you here, he'd have brought you here. 
Uh, I'm going on vacation in June. You go on vacation. I'm going. I'm going too. I'm speaking to those who have a place. I'm speaking to you that have a limp. Well, I've just never been affected like that. Well, I ain't talking to you. Listen, the Lord may work in you. I don't know. But I'm talking to those the Lord's dealt with. You that have a, a hope, an expected end. You have words to die by, and the Lord's come to you, worked in your heart. That's who I'm speaking to. I ain't speaking to nobody else. Paul said that. He said, for me to live is Christ. Did he say that? What do you mean by that? For me to die is gain. This world's going to be over. But for me to be in this world, that's Christ living in me. You reckon that's important? I think it is. I think it is. The Lord gave us these words. In this life, we have a race to run. We have an obstacle course we got to navigate. We have a boxing match you're going to have to fight. We have a wrestling match, don't we? We have that in this world. Those, <clears throat> what Brother Bob read, Asaph wrote that in Psalm 73, and he take him numbers and just flip them. You got 37, 73, 37. You're dyslexic, you're right either way. The subject of those psalms, of that psalm and this psalm, is the same. The subject's the same. Both deal with the same thing. It's hard to see the wicked prosper. Oh, man, it's hard. Every time I drive down that hill, I see them RVs just heading as hard as they can to the desert. You think I don't like riding four-wheelers and dirt bikes? I don't like fishing. I don't want to go on a cruise. I want to go to concerts or go to the beach and just put my feet up and rest. I see the wicked prosper. They're doing good. Eyes bug out with fatness. All their kids are getting along good. They ain't, they're not struggling over sin. Then people follow him, he's greater than I, bumper stickers growing all over this county. You think them people go home and just wet their pillow at night, think I'm a sinner and God's got to be merciful to me. I get jealous. That's so. Uh, people say, I've never done that. Well, then this psalm ain't for you. <laughs> what day? Asaph wrote that, same as David, same as me. He said, it's good for me. This is good. It's good for me to draw near to God. I put my trust in the Lord God. I put my trust in him that I may declare all thy works. I trusted God. No, I put my trust in him so I can declare it. he's the one that's faithful. These words are good to the believer. But you know the opposite? All these words I'm going to give you to live by, the opposite's true to the unbeliever. So he begins with saying, fret not. Uh, if the Lord ain't touched your thigh, you better start fretting. You got problems. You, got, you think you got problems now? You got a lot more problems than that. But pray God shakes you up touches you, wakes you up, breaks you out of your slumber and out of your sleep and gets you shook up good. I got seven verbs for you, seven phrases. I'm going to talk to me today. You can just listen in. This is impossible with me. These seven verbs, I can't do them, but I desire to do them. I mean it. That's what I want. I want this, Bob. Seven impossible desires. That's title. Seven impossible desires fret not trust in the lord delight in the lord these are in order on purpose commit your way unto the lord rest in the lord cease from anger wait cease from anger 
Wait on the Lord. Wait on the Lord. First one, fret not. Let's look here. Uh, Psalm 37, verse 1. Psalm 37, verse 1. Fret not thyself because of evildoers. Remember the subject? This is about, we got to walk in this world. We're surrounded by evildoers. I know a couple of y'all have jobs. You have a given occupation. And you wake up tomorrow morning, you got to go work. You got to go, you got to go out in this world. Uh, fret not. You're going to be surrounded by evildoers. Don't worry about it. Somebody's going to have a need to go to the grocery store. <laughs> I got to go to the grocery store. <laughs> be down there. Don't worry about it. I'm preaching to me. Fret not. Fret not. Be not displeased. That's what the word means. Fret not. Be not displeased. Don't grieve. Don't be angry or jealous because of evildoers. Don't be jealous of them. Who? Evildoers. Who's that? Those against the Lord. Those that don't have a God. I told Phil that one time. He said, if I, if, you, if I was you, or if you were me, would you move to Hawaii? I said, well, yeah, if I didn't have a God, I'd move to Hawaii tomorrow. That's harsh. That's true. It's harsh. So I didn't mean that. I mean, I mean it. <laughs> Let's just act like I said that nicer. So I told him, he laughed it off. Wasn't funny. Those that are out there for themselves, those that prosper while they're the children of God just seem to suffer. The children of God seem to be afflicted. They seem to be tormented. Why? Why don't we fret over those evildoers? Because their end's coming. Their end's coming. Asaph said this, For I was envious at the foolish when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. I was envious of them. I wish they didn't have what they had because I couldn't have it. That's what envy means. It was so hard for him until, Psalm seventy-three, seventeen. until I went to the sanctuary of God, until I went to the house of God, then I understood their end. Oh, I know what's coming to them. The Lord's going to teach us something in this. We need to obey it. God gave us this word. That's what David's saying here in verse 2. He said, For they shall soon be cut down like the grass and wither as the green herb. They're going to burn up. They're just flesh. Look at the end of verse 1 again. Fret not thyself because of evildoers, neither be thou envious against the workers of iniquity. Neither be thou envious. Don't wish they didn't have what they do have. They ought not have a Porsche. Just because I can fit in one and I can't have one, they ought not have one. <laughs> they got plenty of leg room in them. They ought not have that. That ain't fair. No, don't wish that on them. Don't wish that on them. Why? That's all they'll ever have. And this ain't just being about being content and not having a car you want to drive. You understand that? They may have physical things and ease, but soon they shall be cut off. Don't wish that away from them. Not just from the things of this life, but from eternal life to come. They're not just going to be cut off from men, but cut off from God. Don't be envious of them. Don't be jealous of them. Don't wish things away from them. Because if it wasn't for the grace of God, I'd be just like them. There'd be no difference between me and them. None. But for the grace of God, there go I, he said to the drunk. I can relate to that. Paul listed all those things, all, all those mean things. They're bad things, lascivious things, and, and homosexualities. Oh, <laughs> And he said, and such were some of you. We're Jacob, saying, Don't take his hand off me, I ain't nothing. Knowing this is all that the enemies of God will ever have, that ought to help us not be angry with them. That's all they ever going to have. 
and they're fighting God right now, well, they're about to meet the man. About to go into eternity wrestling. The Lord ain't wrestled with them yet. Yet. Where were you when God met you? You doing all right? Was you firing on all cylinders? <laughs> mm. Knowing this is the very best they'll ever have, it ought to keep us from being jealous and envious of those that don't know God. I should never complain about my lot in life. Whatever the Lord has put in, in front of me, I've been predestinated by God's grace to be made just like Christ for eternity. That's the words die by. I have that inheritance. They don't have that. They don't have that. No matter how difficult the trial or how treacherous the path, don't fret. Don't fret. Don't get spun up on the inside about that. No matter who those that curse you and no matter those that curse the Lord, well, i got to defend the gospel. You don't think God can? <laughs> you don't think he's able to? Don't fret. Don't fret. The Lord will not forget his enemies. We act like he will. He won't. Paul said, if it be possible, as much as life in you, live peaceably with all, A-double-L, all men. Dearly beloved, avenge not yourselves, but rather give place to wrath. Don't avenge yourself, for it's written, vengeance is mine. I will repay, saith the Lord. He'll handle it. Therefore, if thy enemy hunger, the one that, you, that just hates you the most, if they're hungry, feed them. Feed them. If he thirsts, give him drink. I know a lady one time... Somebody come to the door. And she says, you want a glass of water? And I said, no. And she slammed the door. <laughs> she checked the block, right? It ain't talking about giving them a ham sandwich and a cup of water. <laughs> Give them the gospel. And, and that ain't your job to preach. That's mine. You said, come here, man. Come here, my pastor. I told you a lot. My dad said it. Then people asked to come, come church with me. Come church. I thought he was a fool. It took a power of God for him to look somebody in the eye in the community and say, come church with me. God was working in that man. God used him. That was his ministry. If people want to get so hoity-toity, they got to name something. God used him for that. Therefore, if thy enemy hunger, feed him. If they thirst, give him drink. Fret not. Don't worry. Lord ain't gonna. He ain't gonna mess the enemy. One ain't gonna slip through. Be all right. Second word. Fret not. Trust in the Lord. Verse three. Trust in the Lord. We have no confidence in the flesh. Isn't that what the circumcision has? No confidence in the flesh, but all of our confidence, all of our trust is in the Lord. If we, if the Lord lets us do that, that's going to cure fretting. If we're trusting him, we don't fret. If we fret, we ain't trusting him. It goes hand in hand, don't it? I ought to trust him. John wrote this in 1 John 5. He said, if we receive the witness of men, the witness of God's greater. And we receive the witness of men. We do. I do. I do it often. There's people in this world I trust. There's a man I love, and I trust him, and he told me what airline to fly. <laughs> I fly on that airline. <laughs> I trust him. You go to the doctor, and they say, well, you got heartburn. Here, take a Rolaid. Eat it. And then you put it in your mouth, you chew it up, and you say, that worked. You trust people, don't you? Drive up down 94, you wear a seatbelt. I see all them liquor bottles up down the side of the road. <laughs> I get on that road and drive every day, don't I? If we trust man, the witness of God is greater. He ain't lying. I wish I could trust him and quit acting like he was. He ain't lying to me. Trust him. Kierman and I went to Australia. And there was a whole lot of reasons. We could have sat down and did a pro and con. <laughs> We've been Frank, Benjamin Franklin this out. There's a whole lot of reasons we had to worry 
to fret, to be fearful. Sydney is a big city, cleanest big city I've ever been in in my life. But it's still a big city. You go down the wrong alley, you'd be in some trouble, wouldn't you? There's a lot of dangers that I didn't I didn't know. I didn't know what street was what. And I, things I wouldn't even consider to say or do or dress or whatever. I could have been in a whole lot of trouble. And then from Sydney, we went down to Nara. And, and there's a lot of roads and there's a whole lot of people and places and things and everything I'd heard of because we get the rumor mill going. Everybody thinks we're, we're swimming right now in San Diego County. They call me from all over the country. Because <laughs> we're fretting, right? One thing, check on your brother. Nothing, fret, stop fretting. So fret not. But there's a whole lot of huge snakes and there's a whole lot of huge lizards and spiders and crocodiles and things that just ain't that kill you down here on that continent, isn't it? You know, I wasn't worried. Was you worried? I wasn't worried. Why? Uh, I wasn't anxious. Why? I had Lisa and Angus with me. I had them. They care for me. They ain't going to take me down out of the way I don't need to be down. Do you know that? You know, the whole time we were there, we didn't make the first decision. You get that? Do you understand? I'm talking about trusting Angus and Lisa Fisher. Do you understand? This is how we do it with the Lord. You get that? I didn't make a decision. I didn't tell them where to turn. I didn't tell them where to get gas. I didn't tell them where to stop and eat. I didn't tell them which way to park or which way to walk or where to walk or nothing. I just simply trusted them because they were for my good. They were for me. I trusted them. I wasn't worried. Ben took us four-wheeling. I didn't worry about the path. That's his business. It's on you, buddy. I ain't got to worry about that. Trust in the Lord and do good. Lord tells us, tells his people, those he's come grabbed hold of that fire, trust in him and do good. Faith and obedience go hand in hand. Trust in the Lord. Believe in Christ, love your brethren. Do righteousness. Do it. He says so. Faith and obedience go hand in hand. You can have obedience and not have faith. But you cannot have faith and not have obedience. If you believe, you act. That's all there is to it. If, if, if there's love in you, love does something. And, and you stop tongue-whipping everybody, and you start loving them, and you start saying kind things, you start talking about what the Lord's done for you, not what you've done for the Lord. That's so. Faith and obedience go hand in hand. I tell the children, it's going to rain. It's going to rain tomorrow when you go to school. What do you do? Well, get your rain jacket and an umbrella. Why? They trust me. <laughs> There's obedience with that, isn't it? I hear people complain and complain and complain and murmur and vent and fret and wrestle with God's providence over and over and over. And at the end of it, say, well, God's in control. Man, that's wearisome. That's fretting. Do righteousness. Believe Christ. Love your brother. This is impossible, right? Impossible verbs. You're talking to me. I want to. I desire to do this. Do you think the most loving thing is to sow doubt and fear in brethren? I'm trying to make eye contact with every human being in here, so I ain't talking to nobody. I'm talking to everybody, and I'm talking to me. Do you think sowing doubt, discord, unbelief in brethren is a good thing? It's contagious. Fretting is contagious. Unbelief is contagious. It'll spread like wildfire. Getting scared of the government's contagious. Fret not. Trust the Lord. Do good. He said so. He said so. Maybe it's best if I sow trust in the Lord. Maybe it's best if I sow the seeds of love and what God's done for us and his, his son that laid down his life for us. And where he is now. We got words to die by. We got to get through this evening. 
Lord's on the throne. He ain't left. Peter said, cast all your care on him, for he careth for you. Cast all your care. Trust the Lord and do good. Verse 3, so shalt thou dwell in the land, and verily thou shalt be fed. <laughs> do it. Do good. You'll be fed. You'll be fed. He's worthy to be trusted. Trust his wisdom. Trust his perfect providence. Trust his chastening. I need to learn that. Trust his chastening. Trust his love. Trust him, and you'll be fed. You shalt be fed. Start saying he's on his throne and end with saying he's on his throne. And everything else in the middle, he's on his throne. And you'll be fed. You'll be fed. I trust him. I don't, I don't want you all to uh, feel sorry for me. When the Lord puts a trial on me, I trust him. I weep. Now, buddy, it hurts. I trust it. Job ran his mantle and shaved his head and hit his face. And he said, blessed be God. He gave him, blessed be the name of the Lord. Didn't he? He believed. He still hurt. I know some brethren right now that's just going through something. I got a text message along my arm the other day. and I went, oh, I cried. I wept when I read it. But they believe God. <laughs> they trust him. Pain will come with it. But all that we can trust him and be fed. David wrote this from experience. Down in verse 25, he said, I've been young and now I'm old. I'm old. Remember old brother Barnard? I'm old brother Thacker. <laughs> Same age. Same age. You know that? Getting me. I've been young, now I'm old. I got a couple years on me. I've been I've been around this for a minute. And yet I've not seen the righteous forsaken. I've never seen them let go. Seen them chasing. I ain't never seen one that was righteous. God made righteous forsaken. God put his wrath on them and condemnation ain't happened. I ain't seen it. And I've never seen his seed begging bread. Uh, me neither. Me neither. Well, does that mean that what if we're down, we run out of beans and rice? <laughs> that, that too. Uh, uh, Lord gathers his people together in a local assembly and you lose your job and, and you can't afford to eat, you'll be fed. Before them kids start eating cat food, your brethren will step in and we're going to make sure you're fed. That's no problem. That ain't nothing. That's not what he's talking about, though. That's so, it's not what he's talking about. If you hunger for Christ, if there's somebody with a need, a thirst for the gospel, they ain't going to do without they ain't going to have that artificial stuff. They'll be where the gospel is. God will put them there. And people say, well, no, I can't cost my job. Who gave you that job? <laughs> well, I can't move. This is, this is where my family is. The Lord's family showed up. His mom did. And his siblings said, hey, we want to see Jesus. And he said, this is my mother. <laughs> this is my siblings, my family right here. He'll give you a family you won't do without. They won't be baking bread. Won't happen. Fret not. Stop it. <laughs> My dad always said that. Pay no attention to it. I said, that drives me nuts, Dad. He said, pay no attention to it. I said, easy for you. It don't bother you. <laughs> fret not. I want to. I don't want to fret. Fret not. Trust in the Lord. Here's the third one. Verse 4. Delight thyself also in the Lord. Delight. Delight in the Lord. Delight thyself also in the Lord. And he shall give thee desires of thine heart. What your heart wants, you're going to get it. Lord, your will be done. I promise you it's going to come to pass. Father, glorify your name. That's going to happen. 
hands down. Do you want that? Or do you want to be glorified? Delight thyself also in the Lord. These words all go in order. You know that? Fret not. Trust and do good. Delight in the Lord. Delight in the Lord. Not just begrudgingly trust him, but delight in him. I saw some people believe in a sovereign God, and they were miserable. I mean miserable people. That doesn't mean they saved all the Pharisees believed in election. <laughs> they didn't believe in the God of election. They believed in the doctrine of election. Doctrine don't save a person does. There's people that believe in a sovereign God, and they're miserable. But delight thyself also in the Lord. It's hard. It ain't easy. This might be the most difficult assignment. But the way to true happiness, the way of peace and faith is delight yourself in the Lord. We're not just simply told, just eat crow and deal with it. That's what the Lord gave you. Well, that's my lot in life. I just got to accept it. I don't want to, what to do that. And I'll keep my chin up. I'm going to do the best I can. I'll just try to plug it off. That's not what the text says. That's not what he says. God's speaking. I ain't telling you this. God is. But to delight yourself. Delight yourself. The unbeliever delights in their way, don't they? Does the unbeliever delight in their way? The unbeliever delights in their way. They love all their things. They delight in their strengths and their wisdom and their riches, their family, their successes, all that stuff. But it's the way of destruction. They delight in it, but it's the way of destruction. That's all temporary. It's going to burn. My blessing, my inheritance is eternal. The unbeliever has no cause to delight. I do. If he's worked in you, you do. You have a reason to be happy, content, to delight. Delight's different happy, I guess. Happenstance every now and then. But we can delight. I, I'm the Lord's. I ain't worried about this. He's on the throne. It'll be all right. Don't fret. Trust the Lord. And then get happy about it. <laughs> Turn over to Second uh, Corinthians. Second Corinthians. That's hard to do. That's hard. I know it is, but Second Corinthians twelve. You know where I'm turning, but I want you to highlight this, underline it, draw a star next to it, uh, whatever you got to do. This is important. I want us to turn in our Bibles and look at this. Second Corinthians twelve, verse eight. I always pay attention to grammar because I struggle so hard with it. This is a blessing to me. I think it'll be to you. Paul was talking about that thorn in his flesh, 2 Corinthians 12, verse 8. For this thing I besought the Lord thrice, three times, that it might depart from me. And he said unto me, My grace is sufficient for thee. How often have I stopped there? Uh, I gave it to you. How should deal with it? <laughs> You'll be all right. Zip it. <laughs> How often I stop? That, that ain't a period there. That's not a period. If your Bible has a period, it's wrong. There ain't a period there. That's a colon. The Lord's going to list something. He's going to give us something. Don't stop there. It's not a period. He's going to tell us why. My grace is sufficient for thee. Colon. For because my strength is made perfect in weakness. When we delight in his strength. You get that? It's not just eating it. When we delight in his strength, Paul continues, Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory, I'll rejoice in my infirmities, that the power, the strength, the might of Christ may rest upon me. 
Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities and reproaches and necessities and persecutions and distresses for Christ's sake. For when I'm weak, then I'm strong. A trial comes and hits hard and hits heavy. And I know, because I've been through this a couple times, the Lord's going to teach me something. I'm going to see Christ during it. Now, like Rex, if, if, if I be so, why am I thus? If there's life in me, why is this war going on? He said, well, there's two nations in you. And he explained it to her. He loved it. He took that child by the hand and explained something to her. And gave her knowledge and understanding. She said, thank you, Lord. And she is still pregnant. It's still kicking on her bladder and everything else. Still happens. There's still, still pain. But we rejoice in the Lord. God sent you that trial. Up and, out, and then the rubber hits the road, buddy. There's some, there's some of God's people that, I mean, deep trial right now. And I had to tell them, God sent this to you. You know that. Then they know it. Now rejoice in it. He's doing this for your good. You know it. You can't see now. You can't see to eternity future. You can't see in those councils of God eons ago. We can't see it. It's so. We know it's so. Now rejoice in it. The Lord did this. Let's be happy about it. He sent this. Let's rejoice, isn't it? Paul said in Romans 5, he said, not only so, but we glory, we rejoice in tribulations also, knowing that those tribulations that we used to fret over, trust the Lord, rejoice in it. Those tribulations, they work patience. How patient are we? And patience works experience. You're going to go through this a few times. And you know what? I think I finally, I told you the other night, how many times do I tell the children to shut the door? You know what I do now? I shut the door. <laughs> I've had some experience, and I'm hopeful. I have an expected end. Does that mean I'm going to quit learning? Nope. That wrestling match is going to ha happen until I die. We'll die in the faith, won't we? He said, <clears throat> it works patience, patience, experience, experience, hope, and hope maketh not ashamed because the whole thing, well, it's, well love God shed abroad in your hearts. That's coming from all this pain and experience and trials and tribulations that we're supposed to be rejoicing in, right? Because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost, which is given unto us. God's gave us life. We have those words to die by, live by them. Live by them. My pastor said this when I was young. I remember it. I don't act on it as much as I wished I did. He said, with that in mind, with that in mind, pay attention to me, be done with self-pity. Rather, pity the wicked. With that in mind, be done with self-pity. Rather, pity the wicked and us rejoice in the Lord. I looked that up in Philippians. It's ten times it says rejoice. Rejoice in the Lord. God saved us. We ought to walk through this. I, I ought to walk through this world like somebody that God saved. I have an expected end. I don't need to be a, a Debbie Downer and pouty face all the time. I have hope. I have hope for us to live as Christ. <laughs> he dwells in me. If we live by these words, the Lord must work them in us. If us to live as Christ, for me to fret not, for me to trust him, for me to rejoice, he's got to do it. Now, well, what's going to get him to do it? Uh, ask him. Ask him. He made it rain. As he increased the snowpack. Lord, make me stop fretting. Lord, make me trust you. Lord, make me be happy. Make me rejoice. Make me glory in you. In you. What's that? All of him. His providence, his wisdom, his will, everything. Make me rejoice. And back in our text there. Here's the other thing. 
we could I could stop there and it do you good. He don't stop there. Lord didn't stop there, did he? He's got there's more verses in this chapter, ain't there? Psalm thirty seven, verse five. Fret not, trust the Lord, do good, rejoice, rejoice in the Lord, and commit thy way unto the Lord. Commit thy way unto the Lord. Trust also in him, and he shall bring it to pass. He's going to bring it to pass, but you commit to him. You commit to him. There's a committal. It's so, we looked at it the first hour, right? What did Jacob do? His hip was out of socket. Did he quit? No, he latched on. And all that pain and all that misery, I can't imagine what that feels like. And he just, he, if I can get my hands on you, I ain't going to let go. <laughs> it was commitment. Commitment. Commit thy way unto the Lord. Paul used this word commit in his definition of faith. That's what old brother Spurgeon said. Spurgeon said this is the best definition of faith. Would you listen to it? He said, I know whom I have believed. This is the definition of faith, 2 Timothy 1.12. I know whom I have believed. I don't know what I believed. I don't have faith in when I believed or where I believed. I know whom, a person. I know whom I have believed. Salvation is not experience. It's not just a profession. It's a person. I know whom I believed. That's who. And I'm persuaded. I'm confident. I trust in him. You get that? I trust in the Lord. I know him. I trust him. I know whom I have believed. I'm persuaded that he's able to keep that which I've, what's the word? Committed. Committed. Cast all your life on him. Not, not just a few things. Cast all you care on him. Unto him. I've committed unto him against that day. I've turned myself over. He says, commit your way to the Lord. Doesn't say just commit your soul to the end. Well, I, that's the truth. And whenever I die, Lord, give me dying grace and we'll see you in glory. Go do whatever I want to do for the next 50 years. No, it doesn't say that. It doesn't say don't just commit your salvation. Salvation is of the Lord, and that's so. That's so. It says your way. Commit your way. It doesn't say, say your faith. He's the author and the finisher of our faith. If we have faith, it's the faith of Christ, and that's so. He says commit your way. Commit your way. That way, the word, your way, it means road, course of life, and this is precious, mode of action. Mode of, I went running this week. You know why? Because you need a pastor. Them little children are going to grow up, and they need somebody to preach the gospel to them. Well, if I'm, I have a responsibility to go try to eat the best I can. The Lord's got to keep my heart pumping. He has to keep me alive, and no matter what I do, he can make me live through it. Or he, no matter what I do, he can kill me from it. But because I know him, I've committed my way to him, well, that changes what I eat. And not touch, not taste, not. Uh, how I live my life, how I drive. And like the other day, I about got out of a car and whooped and fell in a parking lot. And I said, oh, why did I do that? Then I had another guy stop and pointed at me, and I thought he might have recognized me from YouTube or something. He might have been one of them two viewers that watches other than Clay on Wednesday. And... uh I said, yes, sir. And he said, I'm on my phone. I said, why are you pointing? Thank you for that information. Let's <laughs> keep on walking. I left that one alone. Crazy, buddy. I want to commit my way to the Lord. That means you take the mode of action, the course of life. That means you take your whole burden of life, all your possessions. Boy, that's tough. Maybe, maybe we got a skosh of covetousness in us. If you have an old man, it ain't nothing but covetousness. 
You hear that? Commit all your possessions, all your family. If they want your coat, give your cloak to Your family, your care, all your will, all your way, cast it on him and leave it there. Leave it there. We sing it, don't we? Take your burden to the Lord. You've got to trust him to take your burden to the Lord, don't you? Well, the commitment comes with leaving it there. That's another impossible verb, but I want to do it. Do you? I want to. I want to take my burden. I want to trust him to take my burden to him, and I want to have the commitment of my way to him to leave it there. That's your business, Lord. I ain't Somebody broke in the van, stole Kimberly's purse there in New Jersey. And if I could have seen him do it and got my hands on him, I wouldn't let go of them neither. <laughs> I can't stand a thief. But I felt sorry for him. That's all they ever have. And you just stole the purse of one of God's daughters. You got a lot more trouble coming than what I can give you. Take that burden, leave it there. We talk a lot about the Lord's sovereignty, and we ought to. We talk a lot about his sovereign grace, and we ought to. We talk about being washed in the blood, and we ought to. But God tells us to commit our way unto him. Not just our end state, not just our inheritance, not just our eternity, our way, the whole of me right now. Right now. You can't separate faith and conduct. You can't trust and not do good. You can't do it. The Solomon said, For as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. What's inside you is going to come out. <laughs> going to. When Christ works in his child to stop fretting, to trust him, to rejoice in him, to commit our way to him, the whole thing, then we have true rest. Boy, that's, I mean, that's rest. That's rest. Look here in verse 7. Here's the fifth word. Rest in the Lord. Psalm 37, 7. Rest in the Lord. I desire to do that verb. I desire to rest. I want to rest in his wisdom. Because I, I don't have any. I don't have any. I want to rest in his will. My times are in his hands. All my times. Every second. That's, that's, our, that's our theology. And I want it to be my experience. I want to rest in his will. Let him bow to it. Not just talk about bowing to it. Bow to it. I want to rest in his love. He's loved me with an everlasting love. That's the love I want to rest in. And you know what? When I doubt his care, when I doubt his will, when I doubt his wisdom, you know what I'm doubting? I'm doubting his love. That's what I'm doubting. I want to rest in him. I want to rest in his commitment, not mine. But I want to cling to him like Jacob did. I want to cease from fretting. I want to cease from labor and rest. I want to do that. That's what the word means. But it also means something else. Something else I desire to do. Another meaning of this word rest is to be silent before the Lord. I want to rest my lips. Shut up. I need, I need to go look in the mirror and say, shut up. Just stop. Hush. You start yapping. What am I not an expert in? What are you not an expert in? <laughs> I'm not an expert in anything. I need to shut up. I shut my mouth. Remember when Nadab and Abihu, they brought that strange fire? And man, these religious folks, they sit around their washing machines and their living room tables and everything. Let's get the Bible out and talk gospel. It's not profitable. Stop it. Everybody says, what's the strange fire? Uh, Self-promotion. Look at me. Don't matter what that fire was. Look at them fellas. They got something different. Hmm, look at them. 
and they, there was glory in them. Lord wasn't going to have it. Nadab and Abihu brought that strange fire, and there went out fire from the Lord and devoured them. And they died before the Lord. God killed them. Then Moses said unto Aaron, that it is the Lord that spake, saying, I will be sanctified in them that come nigh to me. I will be holy in their eyes. And before all thy people, I will be glorified. And Aaron held his peace. There was rest. He didn't say nothing about it. It's the Lord. That's what Eli, uh, Eli said. It's the Lord letting him do as he sees fit. Hold your tongue. Well, I think heresy. That's what the word means, opinion. I think, well, I think we ought to be doing this. The word's a heresy, opinion. Aaron held his peace. He didn't say anything. That shows some understanding, and that shows some reverence towards God. Holding your tongue. There's an old English saying. It says, a silent tongue shows a wise head. And somebody added to that. A believer added to that. It said, a silent tongue shows a wise head, and sometimes it shows a holy heart. I want to rest my tongue. I'm going to keep my mouth shut. There's another tough one. Verse 8. Cease from anger. Cease from anger and forsake wrath. It's best to cease from being angry with the Lord. It's best to cease from being angry with His will and His providence. That's best. Cease from being angry with Him. It's best to seek, cease anger from the unbeliever. We were just like them until the Lord came to us and wrestled with us, didn't He? We know this, but it's hard. Don't be angry with them. The Lord has to enable us to do this. It's best to cease from anger with those in our own home. Don't let the sun go down on your anger, on your wrath. It's best to seek, cease from anger with ourselves. That's where the most fretting and all that being riled up starts, isn't it? We just stir them with anger inside of ourselves. You know what I should have said? I've, I should have said more words than I've ever said out loud in my head. I should have said this, and I should have said that. Cease from anger. Cease from anger. And it's best to cease from anger against your brother and your sister. They're still in this body of sin, too. They're just a sinner saved by grace. Cease from anger that would lead to vengeance. Cease from that. Look here at verse 8. Cease from anger and forsake wrath. Fret not thyself to, in any wise to do evil. On that, my pastor said this, and I wrote it down as verbatim as I could. Maybe listen, pay attention to him if you don't hear me. He said, don't let another person's neglect. Don't let another person's neglect, ingratitude, carelessness, waywardness, or treatment cause you to sin. Don't let that make you have a bad attitude. You'll suffer in that. You'll do the suffering. In other words, if I let someone's behavior influence my thought, then I'm going to suffer. I need to, I need to hear this. I've fallen into that awful trap of returning what they gave, and that's not God's way. And it hurts me. It doesn't hurt them because they're going to be like that anyway. <laughs> but I'm the one that's hurt. And if I build up in a way of thinking that that is detrimental to my walk with God. I told a friend who was arguing with somebody the other day, I said, a young, a young man, very young man, very wise man told me this years ago. He said, if you argue with a fool, they'll bring you down to their level and beat you with experience. <laughs> That's so. 
Just talk them in circles. Here's the last thing. Cease from anger. Last one. Verse 8. Cease from anger and forsake wrath. Fret not thyself in any wise to do evil. For evildoers shall be cut off. The Lord's going to deal with them. But those that wait upon the Lord, they shall inherit the earth. Wait. Wait on the Lord. Wait on the Lord. Time's nothing to the Lord. Time's important to us. Time, well, some, time's nothing to the Lord. Peter said a, a thousand years is like a day, and a day is like a thousand years. That's not a, an algorithm. That's not a mathematical formula. He said it don't matter to him. Time doesn't affect the Lord. He's infinite. We value time so much on this earth because we have so little of it. Time's money. My time's important, isn't it? We have so little of it. Old Brother Spurgeon said it. Time's nothing to God, therefore let it be nothing to you. Time's nothing to God, don't let it be nothing to you. The Lord's worth waiting for. He's worth waiting for. Whatever he has in store for his children, it's worth waiting for. Wait on him, wait on him. He's never too early, and he's never late. His will always comes to pass in what? The fullness of time when it's just right, isn't it? That's his business to keep me. He's got to watch. You understand that? He owns a clock. That's his business. It's his business to keep me. It's his business to provide for me. It's his business to protect me. And it's his business to govern all things. We who believe, it's our business to wait. He tells us to wait on the Lord. It's our business to wait on him. Isn't it? We know the end. We know that ought to make it. Ain't that right, Deanne? That ought to make it easy for us to wait to the end, isn't it? I love World War II documentaries. I love them. I love the, 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 the equipment, the uniforms, the whole thing, the story, the battles, uh, Bastogne and the Battle of the Bulge, all this. Hurtigan Forests. I know a lot of stuff about these things. I love it. I love it. And you know when I watch those documentaries, I never break a sweat. I don't fret. I don't, oh, man, you think England's going to do okay? I never wring my hands and fret. Why? I know the end. <laughs> they didn't end. <laughs> they scared death, wasn't they? Yeah, Germany may come, may, may not. One little tiny country took on the whole world, just about one. <laughs> Twice. They didn't know the end, did they? We know the end. I can watch it. I'm not tore up. I just sit there cool as a cucumber. Don't bother me none. I know the outcome. Readers, you people that read books, you like books. Do you, do you read a book and you get halfway through and that hero, the main character, just falls into distress? Oh, man, and the, you can't see an end and out for them, and it's just looking so bad. and looks like they ain't going to make it. Do you just close the book up and throw it away? Well, no, you keep reading. you got to see the end, don't you? I've read the end. Fret not. Trust in the Lord. Be happy about it. Get happy about it. Rejoice in him. Cease from anger. Don't do those things. Commit yourself. You wait. Commit to God. Wait on him. Because I've read the end. I know how this ends. He's going to wipe away all tears. You trust him? He said so. God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes, and there shall be no more death, no more sorrow, no more crying. Neither shall there be any more pain, for the former things have passed away. It's gone. 
That's what's coming. He that sat upon the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. Well, what's that going to look like? I don't know, but it's going to be good. <laughs> he made it. Brand new. I'll make all things new. And he said unto me, Write, for these words are true and faithful. It's good. It's true. It's faithful. Why? Because of who said it. Do we know him? Let's trust him. Let's commit our way to him. Let's stop being angry and quit fretting and wringing our hands and rejoice. Let's delight in the Lord. I know what I'm saying. All seven things, impossible. Seven impossible desires. I can't do it. I want to. I can't do it. If God's pleased, he'll make me. Christ in you. That's that life. He'll do it. He has some. I want him to do it more. Don't you?